But yeah, so I just want to not have cat drama for like a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We really just need a like chill week of not having to go to the vets and everyone's okay for people listening to this. All of my cats are okay-ish currently. We're just old. trying to figure Yeah, she's we're just to, old. We're trying to figure out the the fix for her 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 sensitive tummy that she's developed. But uh it's not been fun. No. <laughs> figuring out. No. As I'm sure Casey would agree since I've done nothing but bother her about this for like two weeks. I believe there was a point at which I said if you ever need to talk about it or have, you know, questions, let me know. I will use my, my vet working experience to the best of my ability. And really, it took me very seriously when I said that. <laughs> I did. That's okay. That's what I'm here for. That's why we're friends. It's the only thing I'm helpful with, to be honest. You're helpful with the podcast. Shut up. No, I, I mean, like, if people come to me with advice, I'm usually like, they're there. <laughs> Don't be cry. I'm trying vegan baking. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How's that going for you? You know what? I'm having fun. Well, that's good. But these cookies did not turn out great. <laughs> Wonder if it's a, just an issue with it being vegan or if it was a bad recipe or what? Um, I think it's that I don't like white chocolate. Oh. And I put a lot of vegan white chocolate chips in it. <laughs> <laughs> Why? If you don't like white chocolate... <laughs> Because I usually really do like white chocolate macadamia nut cookies. Mm. It's like my one exception to the white chocolate rule. Um, and so I was like, man, it says to put eight ounces, but this bag is 8.8 ounces and I'm not going to waste 0.8 ounces. Well, yeah, that's fair. And then it was a lot of fucking white chocolate chip. <laughs> so next time I think I will put half of a bag in. Yeah. And have less vegan white chocolate. But it's a... It's a um, I wasn't sure how it was going to turn out because white chocolate is primarily milk fat and white vegan white chocolate is kind of hard to find. Um, so it's pretty good. I'm pleased with these chips. I just wish there weren't so many of them in my cookies. <laughs> <laughs> also, everybody, welcome back to Casey's on Night Shift and it's going to be punchy as hell for the next four months. Let's do the episode. <laughs> All right. Oh, it's me. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy you took a bite. Hold on, right I took a bite of my cookie. <laughs> I'm like, it's Roya's episode. I can eat a cookie. All right. Welcome to The Strange and Unusual, where we discuss the strange and unusual. This is episode 114 of our series, seeking out the weird, the unexplained, and the devious from around the world. I'm Casey. And I'm Roya. This is a two-part episode where we're looking into the life and crimes of one H.H. Holmes, America's first serial killer. And this was a Patreon-voted episode. So it was. Thank you, patrons. <laughs> uh, be sure to find us on the internets at patreon.com slash strangeunusual, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, I said it correctly that time, and uh, Twitter, where you can find us all the time for funsies. Yeah. And oh, we'll cool. have all that shit in the show notes and at the end of the show, as usual. Yeah. If you listen that far, you really should. There's some there's some weird shit at the end. Yeah, it's almost like a blooper reel at the end of the episode when we're just, like, tired we, of talking. We get way unhinged. <laughs> I'm sure it'll only be better with you being on night shift, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's go. All right. So I got, uh, wee-woos. Murder. Murder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, and that's... Everybody say it together. <laughs> Everybody say murder. Murder. 
<laughs> it's my RuPaul moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't really have we. I mean, I guess. Uh, um, what is it? Polygamy, bigamy. Uh, yeah. Lying bastards. Yeah. Oh my god. I learned that a lot of what I thought I knew about H. H. Holmes was incorrect. <laughs> Yo, saying wait until next episode. Yeah, I started the audiobook of the book you have mm-hmm. today too, and that helped me fill in some. I left out some too because man, he gets into some shit. Adam Seltzer is thorough. Yeah. Yo, it if you guys like... are interested in what we're talking about today and you want to deep dive into AJ Holmes, find um AJ Holmes, the true story of the White City Devil. Yeah, the Devil in the White City or something like that. Yeah. I think the I think it's the true story of the White City Devil, and then the oh, the other book is yeah. The Devil in the White City is the other book. Uh, this yeah, of is the White City Devil. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah the the one that DiCaprio and Scorsese are trying to make a movie of is the Devil of the White City. Yeah, which is a like dramatization of yeah. H. It's H. Holmes. Like, uh, like every every movie they do about Jack the Ripper or Ted Bundy. Yeah, where they're like, oh, he was so hot, except for that he wasn't. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> Herman Webster Mudget. I've also heard his last name is Mudget, but I'm pretty sure it's Mudget. Mudget. Um, I went yeah. with Mudget. Um, so he was born in Gilmerton, New Hampshire on May 16th, 1861, making him a Taurus for anyone who was interested. Ooh. His parents, Levi Mudget and Theodate Price, were descended from the first English immigrants to settle in the area. He was the third child of his family with an older sister named Ellen and an older brother named Arthur and then two younger siblings, brother Henry and sister Mary. Um, There have been some allegations that he was abused by his father and that his father was like a severe alcoholic and like locked the kids in the attic when they were bad. Oh, dang. And there's also been allegations and witnesses who have said that he had been seen torturing animals and performing surgeries on them as he got interested in medicine. But none of this has actually been like recorded eyewitness accounts at the time that this was happening. Um, this is one of those cases, like, we talk about a lot. Anything pre, like, 1950, anywhere in the world, is very much influenced by, like, the pop culture of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, the the newspapers, the media, the pulp magazines, and all this kind of stuff. So, um, at the time when all of his, uh crimes came to light there weren't actually recorded allegations or anything confirming that people had seen this like jeffrey dahmer as an example where he had like friends who were like yeah no he did weird shit and said weird shit all the time or whatever yeah and um so some and i i kind of am in the same thought of this where it seems like some of these allegations were a way to make Holmes fit into the contemporary mold of what we interpret for modern serial killers yeah he has to have been abused he has to have been predisposed to violence he has to have had all these things where we can rationalize why he went on to murder people later in his life um they did it to Lizzie Borden yeah Mm-hmm. And so if anyone that's listening doesn't know, there's an idea that's been suggested over time that has actually got a fair amount of truth behind it called the McDonald Triad. 
So the McDonald triad includes three things that are considered signs of later violent tendencies. And those things are cruelty to animals, an obsession with setting fires, and bedwetting past an acceptable age for it. So like bedwetting into your your eight, nine, ten year old, you know, outside of, you know, potty training, accidents, things Mm -hmm. like that. Or situations that would make sense, like getting scared or a new environment, things like that, that you could kind of explain why it happened. And this is intentional cruelty to animals, not accidentally stepping on a dog's tail or something like that. This is going out of your way to intentionally hurt animals. And this can be any seen as anything from insects all the way up to dogs, cats, cows, you know, things like that. Like an, an unusual desire to hurt things. Right. Um, and it, it rings true for a lot of contemporary killers. A lot of them have one or more of those different traits early in their life. But it's not a guarantee that if your kid has those, they're going to be predisposed to later violent tendencies. And it's not a guarantee that they won't be Mm -hmm. at the same time. Um, When he was 16, he graduated from like the equivalency of high school um, and was considered extremely intelligent um, for his age. And he began teaching in Gilmanton and later in nearby Alton. While he was in Alton, he met and married Clara Lover- Lovering on July 4th, 1878. And the two would go on to have a son named Robert Mudgett on February 3rd, uh, 1880. And there is a lot. Like if you, like we were saying earlier, if you want a deep dive into the bullshit that he pulled on Clara, mm-hmm. <laughs> the the Selzer book is really gets into hit basically like no one in her family liked him all of them said that he was like a useless pile of shit that was gonna drag her down and like tried to convince her not to marry him and then he like tried to use robert against her when he was like filing for divorce late it's a whole big thing there's a lot of like weird soap opera e drama <laughs> in Ooh. his relationships um, so when he was 18, he enrolled in the University of Vermont, uh, but he didn't like it there and left after his first year. And then in 1882, he enrolled in the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery and would go on to graduate barely in 1884. Um, while he was enrolled there, he worked in the anatomy lab under Professor William James Herdman, and there were some allegations that he later confirmed um, that the two had been facilitating grave grave robbing in order to supply the medical schools with cadavers. Uh, He also got really close to Herdman in kind of like a a father figure-y way. He would like stay at his house and they got to be like really close and and have a a good relationship? Question mark? Question mark? Committing crimes? (laughs) Desecrating bodies? When you're the best of friends. (laughs) Um, His classmates would recall that he had a sort of uncomfortable eagerness to dissect human bodies. Um, He had even been allowed to take home the body of an infant to dissect on spring break. Oh, gosh. um, And had removed the foot of a child and taken it home. Obviously a dead child. (laughs) They're just dead children. Don't worry about it. I mean... Would it be? It would be worse if it no, was I a know. living I'm, child. <laughs> you think I'm? You think I'm being funny? Um, but so he he took a 
foot of a child home and did whatever he did with it. Kid foot, kid foot. Um, there that was, were also that was I, a bad taste. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I kind of glossed over it, but there's some consideration and allegations that he actually his first crime happened when he was a kid in New Hampshire. Mm. Um, that he had murdered one of his childhood friends in the neighborhood. Um, but there's not anything to ever really confirm that other than like he was there in the area and um they kind of talk about it in a couple of the documentaries and in the audiobook i was listening to where it's sort of like um like a lot of different crimes at the time every and, and even still today everything people are trying to attribute to him so like he was in new hampshire at the time that this child died it must have been him right it couldn't have been someone else it had to have been him and so that kind of stuff comes up here and there with his case um so the body of the infant that he had been allowed to take home was found by his landlady in a very traumatic sweeping experience for the poor woman um she basically uh it was like a boarding house situation and um so she's like going through and taking care of the rooms and like cleaning up and doing everything and she noticed that there was like a really bad smell in his room and she went in to investigate and she was like sweeping under his bed and like just pulled out the dissected body of an infant do not like (laughs) yeah no um and some of his classmates were also discomforted by him um but nothing that actually like raised a serious concern um one of the descriptions or like stories that was told in Selzer's book was um that one of the women in his class just like kind of felt uncomfortable around him and she couldn't quite figure out why she did but she did. And then I guess one time he came in and he had had his like mustache and beard shave. And it was something about like his mouth that she just like it made her not trust him Ooh. at all. Like not trust things that were coming out of his mouth ever. Um, and she said that after it was kind of like after that and before that, she put a lot of stock into like how a person's mouth looks under the idea that like you can tell someone who is dangerous or who is a liar or things like that based on their mouth, like how other people explain it by like looking in someone's eyes and being able to tell if they're like dangerous or up to something. She said that she got that same sort of vibe basically from like people's mouths. And because he always wore a big mustache that covered up his mouth, she could never really see it. And so she didn't understand why she was uncomfortable until, until. she saw his mouth. Yeah, that's And then freaky. she was like, I hate it. <laughs> it's like when you see somebody who like has never worn glasses before and then they suddenly have glasses and you're like, well, your face looks weird. Yeah. Or someone who like you've never seen without a beard mm-hmm. and then they shave their beard and you're like, I... I, I've walked past friends that I was like supposed to be somewhere to meet because they, they shaved. Yeah. And I was just like, who I'm are looking you for a beard? <laughs> um, he wasn't particularly popular, uh, in school. No. Big surprise. Um, his, some of his classmates complained that he had a foul odor, which earned him mm. the nickname Smegma. Smegma? Smegma. Interesting. What a name. Uh, <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> Uh, so 
And and some of his classmates considered him kind of dumb, mm. stating that he seemed to have a hard time grasping even simple processes. Uh, but others did comment on his attention to detail once he did have a handle on it. So like once he had it, he had it, but it took him a while to get there. Um, one of his classmates would speak about Holmes stating that he did not have an interest in going into medicine despite being in medical school, um, but he needed to understand cadavers and bodies for his future goals. Mm. His future goals mainly being insurance fraud. <laughs> yeah, mostly. Um, which he accomplished multiple times within college and into his adult life. He would come up with these elaborate schemes of like taking out an insurance policy in someone's name that was already dead, but they weren't registered as dead yet. And then they would like, he would put the body out and like, it was a whole big thing. It was crazy. He was getting tons of money with these insurance fraud schemes because, you know, it was the 1800s and they didn't have a way to really track that easily, especially when you're moving around as much as he was. Yeah. Um... He almost didn't graduate uh, college because a woman came forward uh, to the college council telling him, telling them that he had promised to marry her and that he had broken that promise. Excuse? This was a big deal in Victorian times, and it almost resulted in him being completely ineligible to graduate. Huh. Um, but several people came to his side saying that she was not being truthful and he did not make any such promises. This worked. And he was able to graduate. Once it was all done, he admitted to one of the professors who had come to his defense that he had, in fact, made that promise and broken it to that woman. Damn! And that he got basically everyone to lie for him and risk all of their credibility and all of their prestige and everything, including professors at the school, just so he could graduate. Wow. Yeah. If I learned anything about H.H. Holmes, I learned that he is an asshole. He's such a dick. Like, even aside from, like, the, the serial killing, which, like, obviously puts him in, like, asshole territory, he was just, in general, like, just such a bad dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he also apprenticed in New Hampshire under Nahum White, uh, who was a vocal advocate of human dissection. Fun fact. Oh, fun fact. Not vivisection, luckily. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a good distinction to make. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is the eighteen late eighteen hundreds, so I'm pretty sure that they're they're past they're past that. They don't have slave seas anymore. That's Blair. <laughs> Um, in 1884, before he graduated, Clara actually moved back to New Hampshire. Um, several of the housemates that they had had described him as treating her very poorly and violently. Aww. Um, so Clara definitely, like, after this point was not in, Clara and Robert were not in his life. Um, so he moved to Mowers Forks, New York, or Mowers Forks, New York. Okay. Uh, and there were rumors that he had been seen with a little boy who disappeared. Huh. Uh, when he asked, when he was asked about it, Holmes said that the boy had gone back to Massachusetts, which is where he lived. Uh, there was no investigation, and Holmes dipped out of town soon after. Wonder why? Yeah, who'd have known? Um, I have a a question. Okay. <laughs> I'm just I I want a food for thought slash opinion. Do you think H. H. Holmes was a pedophile? Uh, from my research, I never got that vibe, but I wouldn't put it past him. Like, he's, like, stealing kids' feet and, like, <laughs> took home a baby and, like, is seen with this little boy who disappears 
And then other children who are around him disappear. And then you've got, I know, a couple of kids. I don't think, here's, here's my deal. There's a different, like, yes, those all are a connection I could certainly see. But I'm hesitant to put that moniker on anybody without more information. And the thing is, I think that kids are just the most easily duped and the most gullible. And that is, that was his star victim were women who couldn't do anything better for themselves and children. Yeah. So like if he could come in and make a woman think that he was hot shit when he was really just cold diarrhea, he was going to (laughs) take advantage of her. And I think he did the same with kids and whether or not that led to something more uh, nefarious and, unfortunately sexual in nature like that i could totally see that but i would i wouldn't assume that off the bat from knowing what i know man when are we gonna do albert fish oh god (laughs) (laughs) all right i I had to do a project on him when he was in school i think when he was doing his like criminal justice stuff Uh and he read me one of the letters and i i don't think i've recovered oh no it's (laughs) awful um but i was just thinking about that because like there just seems to be a lot of like child victims stealing parts of children, not parts of adults. Because he would have been working primarily, I would imagine, on adult cadavers. Well, yeah, but a, a child, a, a sorry, an infant's da- a cadaver is easier to take home with you. Well, he was allowed to take home the infant's cadaver, right? But the child, the child's foot, I don't think that he was like told that he could just take it and not bring it back yeah but easy enough to say that's some kind of weird trophy and it's like small so he thought he could get away with it yeah like there's nothing for me now i and i certainly could hear i'm open to the idea that that was the case but without hearing more evidence to that i i don't instantly go there yeah um so he would move to philadelphia after dipping out of New York, um, and got a job at the Norristown State Hospital, but quit just after a few days. Um, after that, he took a job in a drugstore, but bo- while working there, a boy died after taking medicine purchased from the store. Ah. While he denied any involvement, he immediately left town. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny, but it kind of is. Um, before his move to Chicago, and it goes to show like how ready he was to go how ready he was the drop of a hat to just drop everything and run yeah and like he he was always ready to be caught yeah and so to be clear i don't think i need to say this it's not funny that that kid died it's just funny that he was like yeah no i totally didn't do it peace yeah bye um so before his move to chicago he officially changed his name to henry howard holmes in an effort to avoid being exposed for by victims of his previous scams mm-hmm. um later in life he would confess to the murder of a former medical school classmate robert leacock in 1886 for an insurance scam that was very elaborate um but he didn't kill robert leacock because Robert died in 1889 in Canada. <laughs> Not at all related to H.H. H. Holmes. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say that he like confessed like 27 murders. And there's only nine that actually make sense. There, and then... 
I get into that a lot in my section because of just there were a lot of for me a lot of correlations between his case and like Lizzie Borden where they're like and then he did this and it's like yeah that makes no fucking sense yeah so I go through a number of the the different or I go through the different numbers of victims and their um like what level of plausibility there are. <laughs> um, so Holmes would arrive in Chicago in August of 1886. He would come across a drugstore owned by Elizabeth S. Holton at the corner of South Wallace Avenue and West 63rd Street in Inglewood. Um, Holton gave Holmes a job because he proved to be a very good employee and would even go on to actually buy the drugstore from the Holton. There are quite a few books and almost an urban legend about how the Holtons were victims of Holmes and how he murdered the the sickly old husband and the doddering wife who was in over her head as she tried to run this uh, drugstore while her husband lay dying upstairs. But in reality, they were both like the same age as H.H. H. Holmes. Like they were both like in their 20s or 30s and she was actually the doctor. <laughs> Yeah. And um, they continued to live in the area of uh, Inglewood and in Chicago, like all throughout the years that H.H. H. Holmes was committing his crimes. <laughs> they like, were definitely not dead. <laughs> definitely. Uh. Um, so later in 1886, while still married to Clara, um, Holmes married Myrda Belknap in Minnesota. Such a, uh, a few weeks. Huh? Murda Belknap. Yep. Uh, a few weeks later, he would file for divorce from Clara. So, you know, going, doing things in the right order. Yeah. Um, but the suit never went anywhere. Uh, the surviving paperwork that was found indicated that it had probably actually never made it to Clara and was never actually finalized. There was some, um, they that talked to. That breaks my heart knowing what happens later. <laughs> Um, they talked about it some in uh, the audiobook and a couple of the episodes I watched about this where it was like he this was like the only time he had gone to like see Robert his son was when he was like trying to file for divorce from Clara because mm -hmm. Clara could just turn and say like well you owe me alimony and child support and things like that because you've never even like seen your son. Mm -hmm. Like, you've never, like, taken care of him or done anything for him. And that uh, he, like, took Robert for, like, a month or whatever and, like, took care of everything for him so that she couldn't say that he had never done anything when he tried to divorce her. Got it. So he could get out of alimony. Um, he purchased an empty lot across from the drugstore where he began to have a two-story building built in 1887. This would be used for apartments on the second floor and retail spaces on the first floor, including a new drugstore front. In 1888, Holmes was sued after declining to pay the architects and the steel company that had worked mm -hmm. on the home or the building. That's a trend. Yeah, there were a ton of suits against Holmes over his years in Chicago. Yep. From just about every person or company that worked with him. Um, I was I don't reading... like to pay my bills either, dude. It's okay. <laughs> I was, I was, uh, there was one example that I heard that I thought was kind of funny where he had, um, which is another like alleged way he killed one of the victims, but it's never been confirmed, which is he had this like huge, uh, safe installed in the building. 
like a bank safe, like a big mm. walk-in huge safe. Like a vault. Yeah. And so he had this installed like as the building was being built and then just didn't pay on it. He didn't ever pay for it. And they were like, well, we're going to come take it because he didn't pay for it. And he was like, okay, you can come and take it. But if you damage any of my house, any of this building, you're in a breach of contract and I'm going to take you to court. And when they showed up, they realized that they couldn't get this safe out of the building without like having to take out a wall of the building basically to pull it out and then put in like all this support stuff that it was holding because it was so big. Yeah. And so uh, he just got to keep it and they're just like, fine, suck our dicks. Like, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He, he convinced the city that the water from, I would, I want to say real quick, I'm so sorry. I would consider this man a fucking hero today. Like this would be my Rooney Kernuan. If he was doing this shit today in capitalism and like fucking over Elon Musk or some shit, I would be like, this dude's a fucking hero. Get him. Like, cause today, these days, these days, I feel I'm going very much back to when people were like cheering on the fucking bank robbers. <laughs> like, fuck the banks. <laughs> That's me right now. Not the killing part. Just the yeah. scamming. Yeah. I just want to be clear. I'm I'm rooting for him a little bit right now. Um, so he even convinced the city that the like he had a artisanal well oh, under artisanal. under the property that he would sell the water back to them, but it was just like the same water that the city <laughs> already had access to that he had illegally accessed. I love it. God damn. Um, he also managed to swindle the gas company out of gas for a number of years before he was finally caught. This is pure Taurus energy. <laughs> he also uh invented some sort of gas machine that um was determined to definitely never have worked despite him saying that it, it always worked and yeah it was perfect love he was, that he was trying to sell it to the gas company love but that it n- literally never worked <laughs> that is my favorite thing um he had a daughter with murda um and was who was born on july 4th 1889 there's a lot of weird july 4th dates in his timeline this mm. is like the second or third one um in 1891 john de Buriel, a creditor of holmes died in the drugstore of apoplexy um which is basically unconsciousness due to a brain hemorrhage or stroke damn um there are some allegations that he had been given something by holmes that was actually the cause of his death and that he fell while he was in there and hit his head and that's why they considered it to be a brain hemorrhage Mm. Uh, or whatever he was given had induced a stroke in in him um one of his earlier victims was his mistress by the name of julia smythe she was the wife of Ned Connor and had moved into the building and started working for him at the pharmacy's jewelry counter. When her husband found out that they were having an affair, he quit his job and moved away, Aww. leaving Julia and her daughter Pearl behind. And always said her daughter, not their daughter, so I don't know if she was from a previous marriage, maybe. Everything I saw, her last name was Pearl Connor. Mm. So, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he just I- went, fuck you both. <laughs> Um, Julia gained custody of Pearl and remained working at the pharmacy and continued her affair with Holmes. Uh, Julia and Pearl were last seen on Christmas Eve of 1891. 
Uh, Holmes would later claim that Julia had died during an abortion, and despite his medical background, he was unlikely to have had experience carrying out an abortion. Also, the mortality rate of such a procedure is high without medical, without proper tools or training, which is why abortion is a necessary medical procedure and shouldn't be banned. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) We're we're just here with our hot leftist takes. Get (laughs) fucked if you don't agree. The mortality rate for abortion is high. Um, especially at this time. So it would be reasonable to think that that could have actually been how she died, was just an unfortunate accident. Um, And Holmes claimed to have poisoned Pearl in order to hide the death of her mother. Um, Later in time, a partial skeleton of a child around Pearl's age was found when they excavated the cellar of the hotel. Um, But I do believe that, like, the remains were lost and were never actually confirmed without a doubt to be human. Uh, none of the none of the remains that were considered to be attributed or found in the murder castle, quote unquote, um, were actually determined to be human because they didn't have the proper knowledge or testing at the time to do mm-hmm. so. And had it just been like a few years later and they hadn't lost the bones, they would have been able to actually confirm that they were human. Right. Um, in 1892, he added a third floor to the building, explaining that he planned to use it as a hotel for the upcoming World's Columbian Exposition, uh, but the hotel portion was never completely finished. That same year, the construction uh, was somewhat complete, and it had three stories and a basement. Now, this is where things get a little fact versus fiction for Holmes. There are tons of accounts, considered to be fictionalized now, of him luring tourists to the hotel to murder them and sell their skeletons to medical schools. There's not actually any hard evidence of this happening. It's considered unlikely that he actually murdered anyone he didn't know. And while he had grave robbed in the past, that's not murder. There were also all the reports of the murder castle. (laughs) Yeah, that claimed the structure had secret chambers for torture and trap doors and gas chambers and secret tubes to filter natural gas into a room to choke someone before they even mm-hmm. realize that they're dead. And the basement had a crematorium. But again, none of these claims were ever proven to be true. Um, there were claims that the building had over a hundred rooms and it was crazy. It was maze-like with doors that went nowhere and windowless rooms and staircases that ended in a wall. Um, while it is true there were hidden rooms, they were actually, um, part of the design that he had implemented where, like, he and the employees could move through the hotel without, like, running into people, like a Mm -hmm. service access, basically. And... Some and and for the actual building of the building right. was some of these like hidden halls and rooms and stuff were for that and he started using them uh to hide furniture that he had bought on credit that he had no intention on paying for. <laughs> Hero. <laughs> um, in May of 1892, Emmeline Sigrande. Uh, began working for Holmes and disappeared in December. There were rumors around town that she had gotten pregnant by Holmes and was possibly the victim of another failed abortion. Well, that's that's very fair. Uh, Holmes would also meet Benjamin Peitzel around the same time, a carpenter with a criminal past. The two would become close friends and Holmes would use him as a right-hand man for several criminal schemes. Um, and it seems like 
Benjamin Peitzel doesn't seem like he was like a bad dude, which is really sad. Yeah. From what I read, like he probably was just like in a bad way and was trying to do something to like get his family out of the shitty debt he'd put them in because he was quite the alcoholic and was doing some bad things to try with good intentions, I guess, for him for to help his family is yeah. how it always seemed to be when I was looking it up. Yeah. Um, we we like a, a Valjean story around here. Yeah. <laughs> Steal a loaf of bread for your family, dude. Do it. (laughs) Early on in 1893, Minnie Williams, a one-time actress, as Wikipedia explained, um, moved to Chicago. Holmes claimed to have met her in an employment office, but there were many rumors that he had actually known her in Boston years before she moved to Chicago. He offered her a job as his personal stenographer, and he also persuaded her to transfer the deed of her property in Fort Worth, Texas, to a man named Alexander Bond. Who was Alexander Bond? Why, H.H. Holmes, obviously. (laughs) I was going to say Herman Mudgett. (laughs) Um, in April of 18, uh, yeah, I almost said, I almost missaid the correct thing. Okay. Well. <laughs> in, in April of 1893, my brain stopped and said, no, you mean April 1993, because I do that when I'm writing 90s shit. Yep. I put it in the 1800s. In April of night, <laughs> in <laughs> April of 1893, she transferred the deed with Holmes as the notary and then Holmes later signed the deed over to Peitzel after giving him the alias of Benton T. Lyman, which a little on the nose there, buddy. Yep. Um, in May of 1893, Holmes and Minnie would rent an apartment after presenting themselves as husband and wife. Minnie's sister Annie came to visit and in July wrote to her aunt that she planned on going to a trip to Europe uh, with like brother Harry or brother Henry, I think. Um, and neither Minnie nor Annie were seen alive after July 5th, 1893. Um, Holmes would also marry a woman named Georgiana Yoke on January 17th, 1894, while he was also still married to both Clara and Murda. Good times. They don't even know their sister wives. <laughs> I just like... That that is where I ended my my research and investigation on him because you're that's, taken up from the That's actually perfect. Great. To where I'm picking up from. Perfect. So kudos to you. Excellent. <laughs> but yeah, we I didn't just, even discuss that, guys. We just said you wanna do to Chicago and I'll do after Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I just I think it's interesting that like oh I <laughs> I can't remember if it was the audiobook or if it was the um, one of the YouTube videos I watched, but they described H.H. H. Holmes as one of America's most prolific serial killers. And I'm like, when was this book written? Was this book written in the 50s before like Gacy and Son of Sam and no. <laughs> these way more prolific fucking serial killers? I think people think he's prolific because he was the first and people actually believe that that murder castle shit is real. Yeah, which, like, I was telling Elise about it, too. I was like, I learned so much about H.H. H. Holmes. Well, I didn't learn. I learned so much that what fake I thought. Shit. Yeah, yep. I, I learned that everything I thought I knew was fake. <laughs> yep. And I was like, this is in documentaries. Yep. This is in, like, legit, 
well done expensive looking documentaries that have all of this like murder castle that like i think it was i can't remember i think it was Minnie who was like locked in the yeah um the vault and suffocated and she tried to scratch her way out and if you look at the door then there's scratch marks on it and blah 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 and i'm like probably not Well, what I think is so fascinating is that it that and I think that right there is a great example of why I kept thinking of Lizzie Borden because it's like the reason those documentaries exist is because that was all in primary sources of newspapers at the time yeah. saying this definitely happened. <laughs> well, and that's why like we said at the top of the episode, if you're interested in H.H. H. Holmes, I really recommend picking up Selzer's book or the audiobook if you've got Audible or whatever if you want to learn more because he talks about how like you would go to like Philadelphia where the trial happens later mm-hmm. and um they'll have like one one side of the story but then if you go to Chicago they've got a different side of the story and different information and then if you go to Texas they've got different information based on the information from Chicago and Philadelphia's got information from Chicago and Chicago's got information from Philadelphia and like it's yeah. all mixed up and weird it's and a then, huge fucking mess is what it is. yeah and then later on it became because the victorians fucking loved blood and gore and so then it becomes this like dr jekyll and mr hyde sort of Mm -hmm. sensationalized story of like you know gentle kind husband by day murdering women by night like kind of thing when that's not the case at all he was completely killing these women out of self-preservation because he didn't want to have another kid. Yeah. And their their deaths were just like unfortunate circumstances around, you know, if they were truly killed as a result of a botched abortion, right? then, you know, that's unfortunate. But like, you know, maybe don't kill their kid. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> maybe send her to live with her, her dad. The one who quit his job and moved away. Yeah. I mean, I I get it. <laughs> no, I do too. I, I probably like wouldn't just like abandon my kid if I had one. But well, you if you if you find out your your wife is you know boinking some super rich dude with a fucking murder murder castle, you might you know you might be like okay. Well, I mean, I think if I I think if I knew he had a murder castle, <laughs> I would probably okay, not but be what there. If, what if you didn't know it was a murder castle? No. That just reminds me of, uh, I don't know how much he watched of How I Met Your Mother, but... Um, None. Okay. <laughs> like two the, episodes. The maybe. the main character is an architect, and um, he's telling this story about this weird client that he met with, who is talking about how he like wants this specific room designed in his house where there's like no windows, and it's all uh, white tile with black grout, and there's just a drain in the middle, and all this other stuff, and they're his friends all stop him like he wanted you to build a murder room he's like he wanted me to build a murder room (laughs) wow and like anytime i'm like watching something about h.h holmes or reading something about i just think of that scene of just like someone trying to commission someone else to build them a murder room murder room oh man it's you okay uh thanks for joining us today as part of our hot takes on h.h holmes (laughs) part one 
we hope that you'll reach out to us with your own experiences. We want your stories, your questions, and your feedback. Send us an email at strangeunusualpodcast at gmail.com. If you're sending a listener story, we just ask that you put listener story in the subject line so we can sort through those a little more easily. Are you a descendant of H.H. Holmes? There's actually a really interesting documentary about one of his descendants trying to figure out everything that went on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Or have you gone on a ghost tour of the cellar that is evidently still there? Ooh. Let us know. You can also find us on Instagram at strange underscore unusual underscore podcast or on our personal accounts, Roy Rampage and Calamity Casey. You can find us on Twitter at underscore strange unusual at Cam- Ooh. At Calamity Casey and at Roya Rampage. We're on Facebook. Just search for the Strange and Unusual podcast. And if you uh, would like, you can join us over on Patreon.com slash Strange Unusual and vote for episodes just like this one. Isn't it cool? Don't you want to be a part of it? Come on. Anyway, we do understand if you can't support us financially, we are still uh, going through it. (laughs) So uh, we just ask that if you can't, you might, you know, rate review subscribe in various ways uh share us with your friends and your enemies and your murder castle architects we would love to share our information with them that's all i got (laughs) okay bye (laughs) yeah bye we we promised them unhinge and it did not go there this wasn't a blooper ending (laughs) except we made it kind of a blooper ending. (laughs) okay bye